Hey, 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 welcome to the Unbox Your Give podcast. I'm your host, Rita Joanne. And today I have someone with me who I got to say, when I first came across Ellen's work and having researched it, she was a former teacher. And we all love teachers. We've all had them, like them, dislike them. They're a, a real necessity in our lives because they make us do what we don't want to do. And then years later, we thank them for it. But what about the actual teachers themselves? And the biggest gap that Ellen found was, well, she was an educator, she was a teacher, still passionate about education, but she's made it her business and her path to actually now go ahead and help teachers look after their own well-being and health, which is a gap that I find that I have friends who are teachers, I have family who are teachers, and I know that that is a real gap because you're always looking after everybody else except yourself. And with that, I want to welcome Ellen Ronalds Keane. Welcome to Unbox Your Gift. Thanks for having me, Rita. I'm really glad to be here. Super, super. So I want to get into it. Now, you were a pat, you have been a passionate teacher. Mm. You went out into the world to want to teach. And then what happened? Yeah. So, well, it's actually before I became an qualified teacher is what happened um i when i was at university um i, I mean i was a teacher then i was teaching um, music after school to um you know in a, in a private music school uh and i became quite unwell I, I got glandular fever and just didn't get better basically um it's not uncommon for people to get glandular fever at university but i um it's it's uncommon for them to stay unwell for the next three years <laughs> so it basically turned into chronic fatigue syndrome and, you know, it was, it was really tough. I was really unwell. Thankfully, I was still living at home, um, you know, with my parents. So they were able to look after me. But, um, you know, I had to cut right back on my university. It took me a bit longer to finish than planned. And, we, you know, there was a time there where we thought, well, I might not be well enough to teach because I knew even then how, um, you, you know, how much of a, a big job mm -hmm. high school teaching is. So I was training to be a high school teacher. And then just at the end of my university years, I was actually diagnosed with thyroid cancer. So, um, oh. yeah, it was, it was a pretty scary full-on year. Um, and it, thankfully, you know, I had my thyroid removed and, and had treatment and I'm, I'm well now. But um, oh. it, it really woke me up, I think, to realising that, you know, this health thing is no joke. Like, I, I think I learned some lessons at the age of, you know, 19, 20, 21. Yeah. That a lot of people don't learn until their 40s, um, which... Obviously, at the time was really hard, but now I'm really, really grateful. Like what you said about teachers making, you know, making you do the work and you <laughs> resented at the time. Oh, God, I've got to do my homework. But then, you know, 10 years later, 20 years later, you're like, oh, I'm so glad yeah. they made you learn that thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Similar, I, you know, 10 years on, because it is 10 years this year since I came down with the glandular fever. Um, mm. I, I really, I'm so glad it happened when it did, you know, while I was still living at home um, and I had a lot of support. And of course, you know, I'm, I'm lucky thyroid cancer is generally not super aggressive or um, usually not terminal or anything like that. So I'm, I'm well, I'm able to go on and live a, a full healthy life. But it was just before I finished my university degree. So within six months of the, the thyroid cancer diagnosis and treatment, I was suddenly a first year teacher. And first year teaching, you know, first year teacher in a high school in a um, you know, rough state school system in Queensland. And um, it was hard. I tell you what, Whoa. in hindsight, I have no idea how I made it through, you know, but I think it was just youth and um, kind of determined, just determination <laughs> yeah. to, 
yeah. to do a good job because as you said I, I have a passion for education mm. I, I really I mean teenagers are sometimes really hard work but I quite enjoy them as a group there's like especially teaching music in Japanese which are my main teaching areas I, I was usually with kids that kind of had an interest in it wanted to be there it's a little bit different if you're teaching English and maths which I have taught a little yeah. bit of over the years and I can definitely say this yeah. is a different experience with the students there um because they have to do it, you know, whereas usually by the time they're in late high school in those other subjects, they want to be there, which is good. Mm. Um, and so I taught for two and a half years before my health kind of crashed again. And it was, I mean, there were, there were warning signs along the way. I was, I was really working hard as, as most teachers do burning the candle at both ends. Uh, and then probably about halfway through my um, third year of teaching, my, it turns out my, my thyroid levels were, you know, a bit out of whack. Obviously, I don't have a thyroid anymore, so I have to um, make sure that I'm properly medicated for that so that, you know, I can survive. Um, but I, I became quite unwell again, and it was a real turning point. It was like a, do I keep doing this job or not? Like, because what, what, what the heck am I going to do instead? Like, I really, that was what I wanted to be doing. I loved teaching. I was in a school that I really loved at the time. And thankfully they were very supportive. And I ended up moving to part-time teaching um, just so that I could get my health sort of back on track. Mm. And, and I, you know, needed to practice a lot of self-care and, um, but I still wanted to be working. I, I, I was, you know, mid twenties. What, what was I going to do instead? I was out on my own, had to be looking after myself at that stage too. So thankfully I had a school that really looked after me. Mm. and they supported me to drop back to part-time teaching, which is not something that's available to all teachers. Mm. But it was really then I think that I started to think about other options. I, I remember very clearly a conversation with, uh, with my deputy principal at the time um, where he sort of said, well, you know, maybe you shouldn't be teaching. Maybe you're not well enough. And at the time I was just determined that that wasn't wow. going to be the case. That's huge. It was. And, you know, at the time I was a bit, a bit cross with him. Um, yeah. I was like, that's yeah. not fair. Yeah. But, you know, in hindsight, I can see why he was asking me some of those tough questions. Um, mm. And it got me thinking. So being physically unwell, but, but mentally, you know, I was okay. Like I mm. love learning. I started to get, I wouldn't say bored because I don't think teachers are ever bored, but I started to, because I dropped back to part-time teaching and I needed to be physically resting at home the times that I wasn't teaching, I started to um, really get more into reading and um, following health and wellbeing topics, podcasts. Mm -hmm. I love them. So mm -hmm. they're a great option, mm -hmm. um, especially when you're not feeling <laughs> super well, you can just close your eyes and absorb the information. Yeah. And um, so I ended up um, doing some further study in um, coaching and then meditation teaching and um, chair yoga and holistic counseling. So I, I did a few extra kind of qualifications and just read, you know, loads and loads and loads of books about um, various health and well-being topics and started to realize that you know teachers needed the information that I was learning oh, right. um, and you know I got married in that time and the school that I was working at was in a different town from where my husband lived so um, I wanted to you know kind of came to another decision point part-time teaching was working really well for me but um, you know I ended up with a hundred kilometer commute, which was a bit, a bit much. Um, wow. Uh, beautiful drive though, beautiful country drive. And I got to listen to podcasts, so I didn't really mind. <laughs> um, and it meant I got to stay at that school I really loved, which was important to me. 
but there came a point where I went, well, long term, mm. really, I don't know that, that teaching is good for my health. Okay. And that was, that's really because of my particular, you know, health background. But I realized that I wasn't the only one feeling the effects of some of this, mm -hmm. some, some of the, the workload and, um, you know, burnout issues that are going on in, in many professions, but obviously education was my, um, my career path. And so I decided to pursue that because I realized that I was well-placed. I'd had some personal experience of, of realizing really early on the, the what happens when you're really not well anymore, when you're not just, oh, I'm stressed and tired and, but I'll push through, yeah. but actually you can't push through anymore. There comes yeah. a point where your body says, nope, sorry, yes. <laughs> you've got to stay in bed. I know how awful that feels. And I also know how, um, because of this sort of ups and downs in my health journey over the years, I also know how there are things we can do to prevent getting to that stage. Mm. And, I, and I've seen a couple of my teacher friends burnout as well, properly burnout. And it's, it's very damaging, not just to them and their lives, but to the, the people around them, the, the you know, family and friends and the colleagues. Yeah. And I kept thinking, somebody needs to do something about this. Mm. And this little voice inside would say, well, you're somebody. Yeah. <laughs> and I go, no, 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 I can't, I can't, no, it's not me. Like it's too hard. And yeah. besides I'm, I'm working on, you know, I'm teaching, I can't do it. I can't do it. Um, but eventually at uh, the end of 2016, I, you know, decided it was time. Um, one for my health. Uh, and it has been the best thing I've done, could have done for my health to, to leave teaching. There's been a grieving process yeah. uh, because I love education and I loved being in the classroom with the kids, but physically it took a toll. And, uh, and so now I uh, run self-care for teachers, which is my business and the teacher wellbeing podcast. And I am a wellbeing coach for school teachers in particular, and I help them prioritize themselves, put in practices that um, can help them, you know, look after their physical and mental and emotional health yeah. so that they don't burn out, but also so that they're, you know, healthy, happy effective teachers yeah, so so you're now the chosen one <laughs> to actually lead this which is absolutely fantastic i want to go back a step and i want to mm. i want to know when you were in this journey of because a lot of the times and i've over the times that i have interviewed people people get into teaching for example they get into medicine they get into mm. even politics and they get there for all great intentions because they want to make a difference just like you. They want to make a difference. But once they get in, it's the alarming uh, realisation that it's too, it's too much red tape. It's not what it seemed. The passion, you can't execute on that passion because, mm -hmm. you know, there is things, processes, forms. Did you find that? Was that one of the stresses that you had? Definitely, definitely. And again, you know, I certainly had... Um, had that that drive especially you know as a young person at university i want to make a difference mm -hmm. um you know really care about the kids had some have had some wonderful you know interactions and experiences and with students yeah. and and somewhere i think wow like there's a couple that i can think of where i think i want to save that kid's life you know wow. there, there have been some really amazing moments like that yeah. but actually 99 percent of the time i was doing paperwork yeah. <laughs> which is not rewarding you know um, yes, yes. so and and often it's paperwork that you feel like this isn't even really relevant to what I have to teach tomorrow this is just some ticker box kind of form that I have yes. to do because the government says I have to do the form and you have to do it yes but it doesn't it's not um 
it's not rewarding, you know, it doesn't feel necessarily applicable to the, the day-to-day processes of teaching. So then th- there can be a bit of resentment that builds there, definitely. And I know that that's, that's one of the things that does really bother a lot of teachers. And it's one of the things that, um, one of the symptoms of burnout that we don't talk about enough is that sense of, oh, I came here to make a difference, but all I'm doing is paper pushing getting really cynical about it, really, you know, distrust of the system and the the organisations that, you know, within which they work. And um, exactly. And and it's the way it is. I mean, we we have to acknowledge the reality of it. Uh, But also there are, there are lots of things that we need to be aware of um, in our own personal practices too, about how we can change our experience of that and maybe set some boundaries where, where we can. Well, that, well, that's where you come in. That's where you come in and you try and teach teachers to set those boundaries and to have. But what's interesting to me is that, um, you know, you, you all guns blazing. People mm. like yourself go into a profession for the passion, for the difference. You get in, it's not what you see, you're not what you thought it would be. Mm. It takes a toll on you. Yeah, it does. On your health. But what I find really interesting is that there was a passion that you were trying to go and grab. Mm. And then you kind of molded the passion to suit and that's what I love about you. You kind of molded it to just yeah. lifestyle. Yeah, and it's been um, it's been a really exciting journey. I mean, in hindsight, the dots join up, but at the time, it, w- it wasn't like this was a plan. You know, yeah. certainly when I was doing my coaching um, certification, I was adamant I did not want to work with teachers because I, you know, in hindsight, I was actually experiencing some of that. Um, some of that sense of kind of cynicism and, and just sick of it. Like I just, I'm sick of this system over it. And I'd actually didn't want to be in the education realm anymore. I'd, I'd really lost the joy of it right. um, and lost that passion for a while. So when I was doing my coaching certification, I was like, I'm not going to have anything to do with teachers. Yeah. No. Yeah. Well, of course, <laughs> sometimes the, the path we're supposed to be on finds us, yeah. um, it, you know, there was just a consistent and it's still there calling in my soul, um, which scares the shit out of me sometimes. Um, but it, it, it won't leave me alone. Like, a, like I tried to not go this way and it, it, it kept knocking. So eventually I've answered the door. <laughs> okay. I, I, no, I love that, Ellen. I love that because here's the deal. The, 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 the knock kept knocking, you know, you, that analogy. Now tell me when you feel like I shouldn't be doing this or who am I to do this? How do you overcome those feelings of not being good enough? Yeah. Many women feel that, that if I take this route that I think I should do, well, what if I'm, so-and-so is better, so-and-so has been doing it longer or who am I to do it? Yeah. Oh, and I, so I still feel, you know, still coming up against that today, but you're right. There's, you know, I think we, um, you get more familiar with it perhaps and you get better at overcoming it and um you know mindfulness helps just observing those thoughts and and go well I don't have to believe everything I think yes that that one may be you know and it may be true I mean I'm also I'm not setting myself up to be the the foremost expert and the only person that has any expertise in this area um so it's not like I think I've got all the answers that's the other thing I think kind of um probably keeping my ego in check is helpful But, but it goes both ways. Like that, that, that can go to the extreme of that humility side of things, as you said, where it's like, well, I'm not good enough. I won't even try. Mm. And I guess what I started to realize, well, one, through my coach training, I've done a, a lot of work on my, my self-worth a lot um, and it's come a long way. Um, so I have a pretty healthy sense of just in general in life that I am enough mm. already and always. That's my, that's my catchphrase. 
Right. Um, and you it. are enough already in always and you don't have to do anything or have anything or be anything more than what you are right now to be enough. And then, so from that place that also, I guess I started to realize, well, something, you know, something needs to be done. Mm. I got some ideas. I may as well throw them out there. Mm. And probably the thing that really, and, and it's, it was such an unexpected twist of my podcasting journey, but I started the teacher wellbeing podcast um, a little over a year ago now. And so we're into the third season I mean, I was a very early adopter of podcasts. I've been listening to them for over 10 years again because I was unwell. Mm. And I mean, and the first one I started listening to was called Grammar Girls, Quick and Dirty Tips to Easier (laughs) Writing or something. So like, I'm a nerd, right? um, Podcasts have been a really uh, strong theme in my life because I like learning and I was, Mm. I like being able to not have to expend too much energy to learn when I'm exhausted. Um, and so when I started the teacher wellbeing podcast, I started to go, well, I mean, there are other people in the teacher wellbeing space helping, supporting teachers and, and principals and, you know, various levels of schools. Um, well, I'll interview some of them. I mean, it, part of it was I want to interview everyday teachers and get their stories so that we can, you know, hear from each other. Yeah. Um, but also when I started reaching out to the other, uh, the people I now call my colleagues in, in this space, that actually really helped me realize that it's one, it's not all up to me. It's, mm-hmm. it's you know, it's not all on my shoulders. Mm. And also we are all in this together. It's, it's, it sort of broke me of my scarcity mindset. One of that feeling of I'm not enough. And also that feeling that like, oh, they're going to steal all my clients or, yeah. oh, you know, nobody will want to listen to me if that, if I, if I interview this amazing person, yeah. because I think they're so much better than me. Well, guess what? Mm. We became friends and now I've got this lovely little mastermind of, of um, other, you know, my colleagues in the teacher wellbeing space in Australia. And that's come through the podcast and it is so, it is so broken me of that fear of not enoughness within oh, myself and in business I'm, and a rising tide lifts all boats. So like oh, it's been that. a really beautiful journey in realizing that we can help and support each other. There is enough for all of us and that we're also all different. Like we all have different angles, yes. different specialties, different um, ways that we help and support teachers and so it's also been really affirming too, because it's like, well, somebody, that, that teacher over there may not actually resonate with my message. Like I sometimes get teachers tell me that they don't really like the word self-care. Yes. Um, you know, it, and balance, you know, work-life balance, like it turns them off. Yes. Well, hey, there's like 10 other people they could be going and learning from and they're saying the same thing, but different language, you know, yes. different, yeah. same, same basic message. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they hear it from them, not me. Well, great. Yeah. Then they're still being helped, aren't they? Exactly. I, I love that. I love that. And the fact that one of the ways in which you really affirmed your worth was finding the people that, you know, anyone else would find that they're a competition. I shouldn't go near them. But actually, you know, co- no, what's the word I'm trying to say? Complimenting one another and being in coexistence with one yeah. another to actually lift the, the, the passion of what you guys have of teachers and well-being. Yeah. Because that's your line of work, Ellen, I want to just touch on that. So for someone that's listening and kind of is uh, unsure, doubtful of their own self-worth, what tips would you be able to give to really build your self-worth? Because you've been, that's a work in progress for all of us. Yeah, it is. 
what would you say would be the best three things, for example? Yeah. Well, get a coach. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Coaching is fantastic. And and if you're feeling like maybe maybe there are actually um, some mental health um, things going on, then maybe go and get a therapist. Mm -hmm. You know, it it depends what you need. But um, just get a coach or somebody to talk to and, and to work through that stuff. Because I think sometimes we try and knuckle through on our own and it, it it's, we don't always have perspective on our own lives. So yeah, talk to other people, whether it's a coach or a therapist or your best friend or, you know. Um, so number one, find somebody to talk to. Number two, I think it's very um, easy to, you know, look at Instagram, for example, um, and think, well, everybody else has it all sorted out. Um, and, and that we have to go from zero to a hundred overnight. You know, my, my self-worth journey has not been an overnight, you know, I don't think anybody's is. So I think take the pressure off that you have to go from not feeling enough to just absolutely in love with yourself by, by three o'clock tomorrow. Yeah. Because I think that's just unrealistic. Yeah. Um, and then probably the other thing that I would say is actually start to, and it's hard, it's really hard, but start to take action anyway, because, and it doesn't have to be huge action. It doesn't have to be quit your job and start a podcast and start a business and whatever. Yeah. And cause that wasn't an overnight thing either for me. It was a, you know, it was a process. Yeah. But start to take action on some of the things that you really want to do that you'll maybe, oh, I don't know if I'm good enough to do that. Mm. You can get better at pretty much anything. Mm. So if you're feeling like there's actually a skill you need to improve on, well, practice. Go and get a, you know, a teacher or a mentor or whoever and actually practice the skill and improve. Make a conscious plan to improve and then take some action anyway because I think it's a myth. We think, well, I'll wait till I feel no fear before I do that thing or I'll wait till I am hundred percent confident before I do the thing. It's actually the reverse. We actually have to do the thing. We have to gather the evidence as we go before we feel that way. You know, hundred percent, hundred, like two years ago, there's no way I would have thought that I would have started a podcast, you know, within the year. And then when I was starting it, Oh my goodness, did I feel like, (laughs) who am I to do this? I can't do this. Like, even though I knew I knew my topic and I had some great guests lined up to start off with, still, it was a really vulnerable, scary thing to put out there. Yes. Within three months, I was like, oh yeah, podcasting, I can do that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But if I hadn't started, I would never have got to that point. Mm-hmm. I, but I, you take small steps and I got a teacher, you know, I followed my own advice. I went and learned how to podcast from somebody um, yeah. who was, you know, very good in the industry. And then practice and practice and practice i edit i edit my own podcast even now although i'm at the point where time wise i'm ready to outsource um but i practiced and i and i reminded myself along the way that you know done is better than perfect it's Mm. it's if i think it's a tim ferris quote if you wait until you know something's perfect or if if you don't look back at the thing that you did three years ago or whatever and feel a little bit like "Mm, just a little bit embarrassed about it, then you probably waited too long to do it. (laughs) (laughs) I I just, I found that a really like a big aha moment for me and particularly, um, you know, and I know I keep talking about podcasts, but like that's, it's been a big part of my journey Mm, mm. um, of, of realizing 
and, and in, in the teaching world, we call it a growth mindset where you're actually realizing that I, I can get better at something through my own efforts and, and yep, go and get guidance if you don't know how to do that skill or get a teacher or get somebody else to help you um, and, and give you some feedback. Uh, but it's actually possible to improve on anything you want to improve on. Yeah. And it's only through that process of practicing and um, gathering the evidence along the way that you are improving, that you are getting better, and whether that's through like tracking things so you can track your numbers or you track, you know, if you're working out in a gym, you kind of track your progress. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, my music teacher background, um, you choose harder songs the next time or you do an exam and then you get some feedback. Like there, there are ways to kind of measure yourself and, and prove to yourself that you are improving. And then through doing that, that's when you actually get that sense of, Oh, I can do that thing. Oh, I'm enough in that area. Mm. Plus, I mean, just keep affirming it to yourself and just yeah. keep telling those thoughts that are saying you're not good enough. Don't even try. Yeah. Tell them to bugger off because they're not real. Because it's what you said. No, it's true, Ella, because it's what you said before that just because you're thinking it doesn't mean it's true. Mm. And, and that's because I was telling a friend just yesterday, I was on the phone with a friend yesterday and she was having some thoughts, some negative thoughts. And I said, it doesn't mean what you're thinking is true. Yeah. But because we've kind of like thought it and it's living in our brain, what you're saying, my thought, it's like kind of counterintuitive. Yeah. Because nobody teaches us this. Yeah. I mean, well, very few people are taught that from a young age that what goes on in your brain isn't necessarily the truth. Yeah. And, and I, you know, I think when you extrapolate that to the, the, the global scale, I mean, that's why world wars start because one person says, I see it this way. And the other person says, that's not been my lived experience. Yeah. You must be wrong. wrong. Yeah, exactly. And that's, I mean, that's how arguments start between people. That's, how, you know, and you can extrapolate it forever, but like, yeah. what goes on my perspective my experience of something is going to be different to yours we all have a different experience yeah. even of the same event you know they yeah. say three people watch the same car accident and they will report it differently yes because they were literally standing in a different place or they had different yeah. filters going on in their brain that were noticing different things and mm. so just keeping that in mind for one to go well the way i see the world isn't like the objective truth yeah yeah but also our brains have you know our neural pathways are just habits they're yeah. just habits that we get into the practice of thinking we the average human being thinks thousands of thoughts every day but a lot of them are the same as yesterday's thoughts mm, mm. and then the same as the day before and the same as the day before and so if we are thinking you know if we get caught in a negative thinking loop which is really common under stress as well um and i mean who isn't feeling some kind of stress in the modern world it's very important to recognize that that's, that's not necessarily, it may be the automatic thoughts that come up, but we don't have to attach to them and follow that train of thought. And we don't have to, we just don't have to believe them because yeah. other people see us differently. That's <laughs> true. Absolutely. I, I agree 100%. It's interesting because the journey that you've had, Ellen, of being passionate about education, going into the profession, going into it and seeing that you, you became, well, even before that, you became quite ill. Mm. And then you still went to the profession. You still got ill in the profession. Think something's got to change. Has your health changed since you've made the turn from getting yeah. out of the education system? Yeah, it has. Yeah. Um, and it's, I mean, it's, again, it's not been super smooth sailing. I don't, I don't know that it ever will be for me. Um, mm. You know, I think there's probably always going to be 
-hmm. just some extra physical needs that I'm probably always going to have for the rest of my life. But for example, you know, even my husband, he's just far more physically robust than me. So, you know, we, I just have to Mm -hmm. understand that those are my sort of extra needs in life and that's fine. Um, I think what's, what's been really different for me is that now that I'm in control of my own schedule, um, you know, as much as you can be when you work for yourself, but you theoretically, you technically are in control and you can set the boundaries wherever you want. Um, That has been what has really allowed me to flourish more because when, I mean, the education system, you know, we have these beautiful cycles throughout the year that are really predictable, but they're also a bit boom and bust. You know, there's really intense periods of of very long hours during the term and then there's school holidays where teachers still work but it's a bit like collapse in a heap recover you know to do it all again and that was really bad for my health whereas now I'm a bit more of an even keel and I'm also the other thing is I'm actually able to work with my cycle a lot more um which also helps me and it's also something that like when you work you work for an employee you can't really say look, I'm not feeling well this week because I have my period. Can I just not do the report cards this week? Like, you just can't say that. It doesn't fly. <laughs> and it's like against feminism and all the rest. But actually, that's, that's true. That's the way my body works. Oh my I actually try and have an easier week in that week in my cycle because I can control that with my schedule. Wow. So there's been lots and lots of things. Just being in control of my own schedule has allowed me to you know, work with my body instead of against it, I suppose. So I'm, I'm much healthier now. I love that because a lot of the times that I have interviewed people is the number one reason why they stop and they just, is because of burnout. It's just bloody burnout. Yep. That they like, I something's got to give. Something's yep. got to give and it's not going to be my life. <laughs> yeah. And and because that's the thing, it will be your life if you don't nip it in the bud like I've seen people because we I think sometimes we do use the word burnout like teachers sometimes say oh I'm so burnt out because it's like the day before school holidays and they are exhausted but they'll have two weeks off you know and they'll they'll bounce back that's not full-blown burnout Mm -hmm. um that's exhaustion that's a you know that's a precursor but full-blown burnout you don't bounce back after two weeks um you know it's it can be a year you know physically and mentally um but burnout is a problem in I can't think of an industry where it's not, but particularly that any kind of helping profession. Yes. Um, and I also think for women more than men, because I mean, we know there's still lots of um, differences in the number of hours women work in the home yeah. on yes. top of their full-time jobs and all those things. I mean, yes. but it's the truth. It's yeah. the, women do do more. They bloody well yeah. do. Like you just, everything's equal. No, it's not equal. It's not equal. Yeah. yeah. You work. You still have to work inside the house. Yeah. And yeah. if you have kids, it's like you're still doing more work. Mm. It's also why I, I recommend if like, if you can afford it, get a cleaner. Yes, <gasps> yes. Because it's one of the best things you can do for your health. Yeah, to get help. Absolutely. In fact, I have a friend of mine who um, she had a cleaner. She had, she, when she had two babies, mm. she had a cleaner. She had a chef that came so she could just look after the babies. Yes. The mum. Yeah. And of course, it's not... It may not be available to everybody. I mean, this is the thing. Um, But, I mean, everybody's got to figure out what their values are for themselves. But, you know, me personally, I'm I'm quite happy to forego my wine this week 
yes for the price of the cleaner to come mm. for two hours mm. you know but once even once a month like yeah. it, it's it's one of those things where obviously there's a bit of a trade-off and and in some situations not everybody um you know is financially able but it is a really powerful shift. Yeah. And I think women in particular, because of our social conditioning, asking for help, particularly in that realm, is there's a bit of a shame around it. And yeah. I just think, nah, you yeah. know, cut the shame, cut the guilt about, about that because that's, that's not real. It's, yeah. You haven't actually done anything wrong. You're just saying, hey, I'm a human being and I'm not superwoman and I'm not, I'm not a robot. I can't keep going endlessly. I agree. Um, I agree. Because I had a problem with someone. I'm being in the house and someone else is cleaning my toilet. Like I had a problem with that because like, that's a bit rude. It's a bit. It's I'm weird. That. <laughs> it is a weird situation. Um, yeah. You know, but if, if it's something that, that you think might work for you. <laughs> yeah. Well, look, I a hundred percent agree with that. And if you can do it, I think it's, it's one, I just think it's a way that women, because you are doing more than what, our grandparents did anyway. Yes, exactly. And therefore things have to change, lifestyle have to change, decisions exactly. have to be different. Yeah. To be able to be educated, go out and work mm. and sustain a level of sanity. Yeah. <laughs> because, yeah. Because health problems, I mean, this is a thing, like I've made a lot of decisions in the last 10 years that have resulted in less income, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but more health. Yeah. So when I was working full time as a teacher and then I dropped back to part time, yeah. obviously it was a drop in income, but it was also, a, it resulted also in a drop in my medical expenses. Yeah. So actually the, and, and just the quality of life yeah. really made the, made the difference mm -hmm. more than that. Having that bit extra income was making, it wasn't balancing out the negative ramifications of, of the overwork that I was experiencing and the health problems as such. And I think, um, it's important that we, you know, if, if, if women are wanting to, or men wanting to change something about their life situation, it's, it's too easy to say, no, even though this job is killing me, um, I, I can't leave it because it pays so well. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously you need to make sound financial decisions, but if you get to a point of your health suffering, really suffering, and you can no longer work, mm. then you lose your income and your health. Yeah. yeah. So I think if we can, if we can ward that off at the pass, if we can present, prevent that by either dropping back to part-time work, if that's available to you or changing jobs, if that's available to you, or just really getting super strict with your boundaries so that you have really strong delineations between work and then your health and life, you know, the practices that you put in place to be healthy and happy, yeah. um, you know, outside of work, then I think in the long run, it may not be a short term, uh, you know, on paper, it might not look the best to your, you know, your mother who's telling you about why you need to think about your superannuation. And of course you need to think about your superannuation, mm -hmm. but if you're not going to be well to continue working for the next however many years to get to retirement. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> something's got to give something's yeah. Gotta yeah. Give. yeah no and I but I love that because you are like you te you're a testimony to the fact that you can still have a passion about an industry about a, uh, a type of working path that you can just mold it to your own life you yes know, you didn't give up education you exactly molded it to how it's going to suit you and no time in history can we ever have done that other than right now exactly you, you know, like you couldn't have done this in the sixties. You couldn't. No, have and I probably couldn't have even done it in the nineties. Yeah. Yes. Like, 
like the internet yes. has given us so many options yeah. for one. I mean, because self-care for teachers is not, is not making a full-time income yet. So I do some freelance mm -hmm. work on the side, you know, supporting yeah. other businesses, mainly with podcasts and with other digital content Love and it. using my education background too, helping people with their online courses and that kind of thing. Love so, it. you know, I, I'm able to kind of wear a couple of different hats and that actually means that I can continue following my passion for the education well-being stuff that I'm really passionate about without sacrificing my health and, you know, while still contributing to the bills in the household. <laughs> yeah, no, and I think that's because that's the whole goal is to do something that you love to do. And now in this moment in time, we're able to mould it to a lifestyle, to our needs, to our desires that can actually help us. And you're the perfect, which is why I wanted you so much on the show, because you are that girl. You are the person who's done that. Then kudos to you. Thank you. Kudos to you. So you were going to say something? I'm about to just jump in again. Oh, well, I was just going to say that it, it um, yeah, I think I said this at the beginning that the dots only line up mm. now in hindsight. Mm. Um, you know, it, it, the path wasn't always clear and that, you know, who knows where I'll be in a year or two years or three years. Like, yes. um, so I, I, I feel like I'm coming to be more comfortable with that sense of, well, I'm just going to follow wherever this takes me. Um, and keep my eye out for opportunities and, um, um, but follow what I want to do mm. as much as I can yeah. while being responsible. And, you know, like it's, yes. it's not been, um, it's not all happened overnight. It's not like an overnight success or whatever. Um, again, I think Instagram and Facebook and all the social media stuff, you only see the highlight reel. So it's easy to think that things have been perfect, but like also if you want to make those changes, I, I would definitely recommend to people who are looking for their, their passion or looking to follow their passion. It doesn't have to be all at once. Like, like for me, I thought I have to leave for, there was a time where I thought I have to leave teaching. I can't do this. I'm out. Mm. Um, I had actually self-care for teachers started as a Facebook group um, and then, you know, turned into my business over time. But, um, and the Facebook group has since been shut down, but I, there was a time where I, I tried to quit it and I was like, no, nah, done with education. I, you know, I was mm. physically well, but, fairly emotionally burnt out and I just wanted to throw the baby out with the bathwater mm -hmm. um, and I had to grieve you know I had to grieve the career that I thought I was going to have and that's like I think we have to also realize that sometimes we go through those kind of dark nights of the soul mm -hmm. and that's important to figure out what we really want and what the next step is but yeah you you don't have to throw the, the baby out with the bathwater you don't have to throw out the whole career or the whole industry just mm -hmm. because the job you're in right now isn't working for you or the stage of life that you're in you know um i don't have children yet but a lot of my friends do and i know that that first few years when you've got those little babies and you've got a new family that's yeah that may not be the time to be um making massive changes in your life and you might just have to roll with where you're at in this stage of life mm -hmm. and just start following the threads you don't have to make a whole blanket by tomorrow yes. yeah yeah i love that you don't have to make a blanket by tomorrow just follow the threads and i love that because Part of the journey of finding your passion is as you evolve, so does your passion. <laughs> yes. You are going, you have to change. It's part of growth. You have to evolve yeah. as you evolve, as you will a year from now, two years from now. Mm. Where will you be? And that's the joy of it. You mm. don't, it's, it's, it's completely different. The yeah. landscape has changed. It's scary because you can't really plan yeah. Yeah. in the way 
But I think in the past, you know, probably again, even in the nineties, it's like you could actually make a five-year plan and probably pretty much follow the five-year plan. Mm -hmm. I think these days the world is changing so quickly. There's, there's so much, um, so many different opportunities with technology and things that mean people can work remotely and all of that. Like who knows where the world's going to be in five years. I mean, I just found out the other day, there's a guy who's got his own show on Snapchat. Oh, cool. Snapchat are 10 second videos. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, like now he owns a full-time income doing that. Now I don't know the, the intricacies of how, but that was not possible. Like, yeah. Five years ago. No, like, <laughs> So the landscape is completely changing. He's taken his love of video making. So he's not going to be a traditional filmmaker. Mm. He's got 10 second videos that he uploads and he gets, he monetizes it. Mm. And I've yet to interview him, but that's the world that we're going into. Like he could not have predicted that five years ago. No way. You just found. And also if you did, people would tell you that you were crazy. Yeah. 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 And, and I mean, you know, I think when, I think it's, unconventional to make decisions that are following your passion. Mm. I, I, I think it's unconventional. I don't think it's crazy. I mean, you know, for one crazy is kind of, well, it's a bit of a derogatory term that, but I also think it's just because it's unconventional mm, mm, mm. because every, you know, maybe everybody else that you know is, is living in their miserable job, feeling unwell and burned out and, you know, not looking after their health in any way. And then they, they kind of tell you, this is just the way life is. You just have to, you just have to deal with it and have a heart attack when you're 55 and that's it. You know, it's like, God, that's, you actually do have agency over your life. And if you want to change something, you can. And especially in the Western world, there has never been a better time. Yes. And if anyone's listening to this, uh, Ellen is a school teacher and on her website, she gives you a permission slip. (laughs) Thanks so much. To just be able to find that thing to, and I love what you did. You kind of took it in stages, Ellen. You didn't call, quit cold turkey because of income, and most people cannot do that. Mm. You went part time. You mm. kind of looked after yourself. Then that took another leap. You went. You kind of reconsidered. It just it was bite sized pieces that you, yeah. and that's all it took. Love yeah, it. exactly. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. One well, step at a time. I just want to say thank you so, so much for sharing the journey of finding your passion and the evolution of oh, what you've it's been. It's wonderful because it, that's exactly the reason why I wanted you on, because you took your passion and you worked around it to suit Ellen, mm. what Ellen's needs were. Mm. And, just, and, you're, and you're still, hey, things have changed in terms of maybe the income is not, but you're still working on that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and, um, and I'm well. Yeah. Which really, you know, like I, I've just started this uh, a running program at, at my gym. Um, and so my husband is an exercise physiologist, which is just hilarious because I like, and we've known each other a long time, but, and we actually got together just when I was diagnosed with thyroid cancer. <laughs> but it made the whole thing with me. But like there was a time in my life where literally exercise made me ill, like walking, walking 800 meters saw me in bed for the next two days. Like it was my body physically couldn't handle that. Well, I'm actually like, I did intervals on a treadmill for like 40 minutes this morning at the gym. And I mean, it was hard and there's a lot of, it's, but it's mostly mindset for me now. It's actually not my physical body. My physical body can handle it, which is like, that is just blows my mind when I think back to where I was, Mm. you know, six, seven years ago. Wow. It, it, 
it again that that physical healing has been a journey um little bit by little bit but i'm well now and love that that's that's exciting to me yes. um and it means more than any dollar amount ever could yes. because it's my it's my earning capacity my health is actually my earning capacity um and it's all of us yes yeah if you don't have your health what do you got like yeah there's nothing exactly. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Love that. And thank you so much, Ellen, for joining us on the podcast. I really appreciate your insights, your story, and your advice on how to create well-being and worth in our own lives. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Rita. Thank you, guys. And we'll catch you on the next episode of Unbox Your Gift.